This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everyone? Welcome to Town TV. My name is Jim, and today I'm here with the newest member of the Beacon 23 crew, Brian. Kyle unfortunately couldn't make it this week, but Brian has stepped up to the plate, and he's ready to talk some Beacon 23. I'm really excited to hear his thoughts on the series. It hasn't been week to week for Brian. He did a quick binge in the last week or so, so I'm really excited to hear what a binge person thinks of this show. But first, as always, a little Town housekeeping. If you're listening from our silo or Beacon 23 feed and you're not familiar with our other podcast coverage, then we just want to remind you that we cover so many different shows and we would love to have you as a listener for those as well. We recently covered Gen V, Fall of the House of Usher, and Attack on Titan. And besides Beacon 23, we're also currently covering Jujutsu Kaisen and A Murder at the End of the World. Coming up, we have Reacher Season 2, the live-action adaptation of Yu Yu Hakusho, and Percy Jackson and the Olympians. So what I'm trying to say is we cover a lot of TV, and we want you all to come for the ride. All you have to do is search Bingetown TV on any of your favorite podcast apps or check us out at BingetownTV.com. All right, we're here, Episode 6. Brian, like I said, I'm really excited to hear your thoughts because this is a binge for you. Me and Kyle, we're doing week to week. It is a slow burn, so it was interesting to think about week to week. Now, you have this all binged in a couple days, a week, or whatever it is, and we're both equal playing fields here. So let me know. What do you think? Yeah, so I think my broad reaction is that it's good, not great. And to expand on that, you used the term slow burn. It is definitely a slow burn. And I think being able to consume it as a binge rather than week to week probably enhanced my experience because I could just kind of streamline it point A to now that we're in this episode six is the one we're going to be covering. I think this was probably the best episode of the first six and probably episode five was the best uh, before that. So we're finally starting to get a little bit of movement here, some action and some answers to the mystery. I think, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this. I I should say, I actually haven't gotten the chance to listen to your guys coverage. So my apologies if I repeat any theories or any, uh, you know, thoughts on the show. Yeah, no worries at all because we're busy. We're all covering different shows at the same time, and that's why I appreciate you jumping on. We cover so much, and once we're in our little zone covering something, it's hard to jump from show to show. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I'm covering Murder at the End of the World, and that is also very AI-centric, which is kind of interesting because AI isn't always so prevalent in the shows that we cover, but it certainly is um, in Murder at the End of the World and definitely in Beacon 23. And they kind of handle it differently it's 
I think that is what has gotten me through kind of the sluggish first four or five episodes is these interactions with Bart, the AI, um, and I guess uh, Aster's is Harmony, too. It's very cool how this show is handling AI. It's humanizing it in a way that I don't really see. And it's really kind of... um, I don't know, a realistic look at what AI could be a hundred years down the line when it really is that advanced. And I love the interactions between the humans and the AI. And I just, ever since you approached us with this show, Beacon 23, I just thought that was such a cool concept, just a lighthouse in the middle of space and what they could do with it. I think my biggest disappointment is, and I can't even really expand on it, I thought they would kind of go more into kind of the mental uh, deterioration that somebody could experience in that kind of isolation. And I guess we see it with Halen a bit, but I feel like his mental whatever's afflicting him is because of the rocks. But we're going to get into all that, I'm sure. Yeah, I think that and I don't want to be quoted on this because I haven't read the books, but I let Kyle know that I did a little bit of research and the books are short stories and they're not really adapted similarly to the show like you said it's very different and i believe Mm -hmm. that what you said you want is kind of where hugh went with his books so i think that they wanted to expand on the universe and turn it into a show honestly me and kyle talked about it too it seems like for a while each episode was becoming its own short story and this continues that trend And that would have been fine, and it is fine. Like, that's a cool concept. Mm -hmm. It's just, let let me ask you this question. How do you feel about the fact that, you know, we're six episodes in, we're getting to the finale almost with eight episodes, and me and Kyle were talking about how it was a little weird that they were almost going with maybe villain or character of the week scenarios every single week where you're not even, like, we had two full episodes out of six so far where you don't even see Aster or Halen. Yeah, Uh, I thought it was odd, especially since we are kind of on a time crunch here, you know, there's not that many episodes and they were presenting us with these seemingly uh, disposable characters like Coley in episode three, kind of Aster's previous friendship or whatever, kind of her partner that they wind up killing. And I'm like, Okay, I didn't particularly enjoy that character while she was on screen. I get that she was supposed to be kind of a representative of... Was she with the QTA or the ISA? She was QTA. And that's kind of another thing. They're not giving you a lot when it comes to... QTA and ISA throughout the years of this show is changing. It's organically changing. And I kind of have an idea of what the deal is. But again, it's... They're doing a weekly exposition of world building, but until this episode, I feel like they were giving us more questions than answers. For sure. But this episode, I I do think, was the best episode of the season, and I really enjoyed it as a single episode, and I'm glad that we got the answers we got. I really like this episode. Absolutely. And another one, well, I guess I can't completely say this, but another one more or less without Halen and Aster in it. Yes, exactly. Well, <laughs> right, true, true. That yeah. my notes, and we could just jump ahead. I have notes, mm-hmm. and we'll kind of go in order here. But let's just cut to the chase here. We find out a great reveal that the little girl is Aster. So we found out that Parsim is Aster. Now, in my notes, soon as I saw the necklace, I thought that was going to be the mom. Like I thought Parsim would be the mom. She would grow up and then give that necklace to Aster. 
because I'm going to have a little bit of questions. I understand that Bart specifically said that Parson was so young that she doesn't really remember her time on the beacon. Right. But, I mean, she's five or six. You tell me you can't remember that you've ever you've never been on the beacon before, and then you show up disaster. Say, I mean, I, we can get into that now, or we can get into that later. That's why I thought it would have made more sense for it to be the mom and then hand the necklace down to Aster, and then, then it makes sense that she's returning to the beacon because she's destined to return to the beacon. But yeah, I, it makes I sense know. given that Bart explicitly said she was too young to form memories, but the child seemed old enough to form memories, which right. is why it kind of didn't jive a hundred percent. But I think we got to take Bart at his word. Right. When I saw the necklace come out, I'm like, it's Aster, it's Aster. Um, yeah. I was a little bit upset that it took me that long because we literally only know one female character. who's like a, <laughs> big shaker in this story uh but it somehow was a good reveal so kudos I, to the show for that i will say in our defense though they have really been utilizing random characters to tell us stories where sure. they don't necessarily have any future in the actual story so yes it's kind of obvious and it's weird that we didn't guess it but at the same time maybe that was by design and that's why they were hitting us with those random characters of the week and we would just say okay here's another story giving us some backstory on what's the deal with the relic and this and that and yeah you know and i don't know if i didn't get the reveal at the end maybe i would have been a little bit more up upset about this episode because i would have said again we're meeting some characters that don't really matter mm -hmm. because it's in the past yeah and I, I think I just want to keep talking about it. That's one of my gripes with the thing. There are some really cool elements. Like we were talking about the QTA and the ISA. I'm like, okay, those are some cool things. And you said they're kind of organically growing in the background. I just don't know what they can possibly do as a payoff for that other than just have them as the anonymous big corporations that are yeah. kind of pulling the strings in this world. But I don't know enough about the world, and in eight episodes, there's no way I'm going to know enough about the world to get a payoff for that, so... Yeah, yep. You're I, right in line with me and mm -hmm. Kyle, because we were saying, for the longest time, like, we just don't know where this show is going, because yeah. you can expand this world and just go. Or, you can make it a show about the Beacon, but you have to be careful what you give us and what you don't give us, because in one, si in one side of things, we're going to say... You're giving us too much. Now we want more. And it seems like there's no reason to give us that much. On the other side of things, it could be you're not giving us enough. It's tough. Yeah. It's a tough thing to juggle, um, especially now, like just to start this episode. Boom. We have a whole nother thing being brought up and it's called the column. And I guess mm -hmm. they're just like rebellious figures. And I wish I wrote down this actor's name because I noticed him from other things. I believe he was in Ozark. He was in some other stuff. But yeah, just bringing the column into things is... It's like, all right, here's another entity that two more episodes, you're going to be talking about three entities here, QTA, ISA, and the column. Mm -hmm. And it kind of tracks because they have established that as we're expanding into the unknown expanses of the universe, they're trying to colonize, and some of these colonizations are not going very positively, right. which is forcing these protests. So maybe this rebellion group, such as the column, whatever, could... It makes sense in this world that they would come to be. Yeah, uh, that, that, that makes the, sense. Yep. You're talking about the guy Kier, the redhead? Yes. Mm -hmm. Kind of seems the sweet like a dope, mustache. this Kier, huh? <laughs> he had <laughs> some sweet beer to drink, though. I mean, Bart hooked him up, but he totally sandbagged him. He knew exactly what he was doing. Bart's been hot and cold. Uh, yeah. I, you know what surprises me the most about Bart is how hard he wrote 
how hard he rode, how hard he rides for Solomon. Like Solomon yeah. didn't really seem like that great of a keeper given the you know depth chart of keepers that Bart has seen. Though I digress. Better than I Halen, mean, I, I agree. Guess. It seems like every single keeper at some point starts to get obsessed with whether it's the artifact or the relics we're finding out are the rocks. So yeah. as the beacon keepers are in this isolation, they start becoming more obsessed with it. And yeah, Solomon seemed like he was fully obsessed with his discovery of the these relics. Well, he was calling them Solomonium. Solomonium, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Naming it after himself, of course. But I thought it was really cool that we started the episode. We get Dr. Avalon. We talked about her a little bit in the prior episodes with... Uh, Milan Olive, where he is trying to get the information from the original Beacon Keeper, and even in that episode, you knew that Bart was very into and loyal to Dr. Avalon, so it was cool to get this story explaining how Bart came to be, how the first ever Beacon Keeper was dealing with being a Beacon Keeper. I mean, it was funny how she's fully in this ISA suit. You could see at first she's like all official, and then obviously as you get into your isolation, you start being a little bit more business cash. Like, why why yeah. care? But did another we ha interest have it oh, explicitly yeah. defined for us that ISA and QTA jointly created the Beacons? So this is where I wrote in my notes, when you meet Avalon... You hear her getting her welcome package, saying, like, mm -hmm. thanks so much for being... Now, the person speaking from the QTA side of things is actually Milan Olive's Milan, voice, right? Yep. So he is the QTA. He created the beacons. He created all of the AI. At the time of the first Beacon Keeper, I'm assuming that is still when the QTA and the ISA are working together. We find out in episode, I believe that's four with Milan Olive, that... Eventually, he militarizes and he becomes he breaks off and it's and it becomes a separate entity, and that just is the evolution of QTA. But at the time of Doctor Avalon, it seems like they're still joint as one as one, meaning like they work together. QTA built the beacons. The ISA are still the governing force. Yeah, no, I just like that they they included that element here. But like I, I said, it is good world building in the background. I just don't know what the payoff could possibly be. Me and Kyle were wondering, and this is the problem with it, be, with it being MGM Plus. Like, we don't know the power of MGM Plus. We're worrying yeah. who's actually watching this show. The only show that I know that has gotten really big off MGM Plus is the show from from the creators of Lost and has some of the actors from Lost. And it's apparently a really good show, and it's definitely on my list. But every other show, I've hardly ever heard of. So. Yeah. Our thoughts are maybe you give it a season, see if it does well, and then boom, you can expand it if you want to however far you want to go. But it's, I don't know, when it comes to MGM+. Plus. While we're on the topic of MGM+, Plus, this is the only show that I've seen from it. The production value looks pretty solid. I think this is yeah. a well-made show. Well-acted, to. I mean, Lena Headey aside, like, well-acted from top to bottom. I think this is a quality production. Fully I just don't know if I'm 100% captivated on it. But if they go full in into this kind of universe, if you will, yeah, I'll go all in too. It, it's a cool concept for sure. Yeah, and I thought it was really cool that Avalon, they let us know that she actually came from Earth. So she's one of the last people to leave Earth and become a beacon keeper. That was sweet. She brings the lighthouse picture and puts it up on the beacon. So it's been there ever since she's been there. Yep. Basically, the, the moral of the story when it comes to Avalon is that she gets entranced by this light 
this entity that she's seeing outside the beacon. Well, and, I suppose we can just refer to it as the artifact from henceforth, yeah, now we can, right? You right, know. true, true. Yeah. So this artifact, I, I noticed right away that it was cool that they said in the story that Bart couldn't see it. And we yeah. know from episode four that when Milan becomes his higher evolutionary self, he can't see it anymore because he's part AI. And they're saying that the AI can't see the artifact. So we're keeping with that trend here, which is going to be very important, I would assume. Very, very cool how they were able to utilize that fact to pinpoint where it's going to be, where it is, because nothingness shouldn't exist for Bart. He should be able to see something. So seeing nothing is weird, which was cool. I really like that. And then... She just starts deteriorating. She's sleepwalking. She's only caring about the artifact. I mean, it seems like that's the trend that goes on when you start to notice this artifact, whether it's an alien life form or not. I don't know. We can get into theories in a little bit. But um, what did you think about the whole thing with Avalon and her deterioration? I thought it was good. Um, I thought it was, I, I mean, her and Halen both tried to kind of, do the spacewalk without a suit. I don't think Farut ever got to that point, maybe jumping the gun, but kind of just the different ways that it has affected the several people that it definitely has come into contact was. Um, yeah, this Avalon flashback was really cool. What what exactly did she do to track it when she was just like, put all your sensors in my line of sight? Like, how did that lead yeah, to... So she was marking where it was it was going but then just like the little girl she was getting those visions or that or that whatever that gut feeling and she's like i just mm-hmm. know where it will be next and she's marking whatever it is on the screen and then when my thoughts were that the last point on the screen was her guess and then when it happened she's telling bart listen follow my line of sight and mm-hmm. and she's trying to confirm that he sees that nothingness right okay and I'm not a scientist, but I mean the other <laughs> the, the 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 guy he starts using the calculations to try to figure it out, and apparently so does the the mother of Aster. Um, so we have that's Farut and Grisha, which Grisha Grisha was cracking me up because of Shadow and Bone, but <laughs> yeah, true that. Yeah, so Bart in this episode, we could talk about Bart a little bit just because I've been down on Bart big time. You know, I said there's nothing scarier than an AI who makes his own decisions and thinks he's he's willfully making his own decisions but he thinks he's doing the right thing and he's not really taking any kind of advice from humans or whatever and obviously we get a couple things that are like crazy where he kills somebody kills milan olive he tells the past beacon keeper he loves her like he's 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 got the feels like he's got feelings and we talked about westworld me and kyle there's there's a lot of things it just seems like bart is an evolved ai which we don't know if we couldn't figure out if he's evolved or if someone like Harm is just choosing to stay on course and she could do the same as well. But we have to assume, I guess, that partially the child, Aster, and he says like he learned a lot from the relationship and the growing of Aster. And, Profoundly changed him. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, that's something I... It Bart seems different. And also, he has been around since the inception of the Beacon, so he is a hundreds-of-year-old AI. So... Yes. I like to think that it is 
Bart is kind of an enhanced AI and he has yeah. kind of transcended his boundaries and it it's really cool the verbiage he uses. He's like, I can't he's like, yes, I have programming, but I can also change like how I respond to certain situations based on the people I have met. Like it's very right. cool how he phrases it in a way that an AI would have to justify, yeah, I'm going against my damn programming. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for sure, I mean, a complete 180 from the whole Milan flashback where it's, you know, AI gone wrong. It's going sentient and making the decision to kill someone. And, you know, if you want to take it at surface level, it was that. But he ran the simulations. He genuinely believed that Milan would cause more human death if left unchecked. And he did right. what he felt had to be done. I feel like in this episode, they are completely painting his kind of, um, what is the word for it? Not sentience, but ability to choose your own, make his own decisions in a much more positive manner. Uh, case in point, I think Kier even said, I didn't know an AI could go against their programming when he lied to protect this family. Essentially, he could have reported them immediately to the ISA. Yes. So, you know, it goes both ways with the AI. It's not just doom and gloom. You know, they can use that ability of choice for the positive. Yes. And it's interesting to see how the show is deciding to bounce back and forth between flashbacks. And you have to try to remember what point A, what point B, what point C, and what present quote-unquote day is, because this would technically be before Milan and obviously way before Aster and Halen. So it seems like based on these flashbacks, our boy Bard is getting a little unhinged. I don't get it, just like you don't get why he was so like, I hate Halen and he's a POS and he killed Solomon when he sees the tape and he knows that's what the deal is. He just seems more... Like, it's like the it's like the thing that I was saying with Kyle. I was like, it's scary to have an AI when it's not on programming if it's not doing the right thing. Like, right. if I was Halen and Solomon dies and Halen last episode basically has to turn off Bart's voice, I would be like, I wouldn't be able to sleep. I would be so scared that this thing is going to do. So I mean, we know it can create a bug that can go up your nose and stuff like. I would not yeah. be able to sleep with Bart around. And this is the first episode that we're seeing Bart, like, with Parsum, you know, obviously ha Aster, but, you know, playing hide-and-seek and loving this little girl and all this stuff. This is the first episode where I'm like, all right, Bart's my boy. You know, I, I liked him. What was was the um, previous Beacon Keeper was Sophia, right? Does that sound so, right? Right before... Halen was Solomon, of course. I guess right before Solomon would have been Sophie or Sophia was so, her name. Right, yeah. right. So so what I mean is that, you know, he has Aster and the two parents, and then obviously eventually we get to Sophia. And like he seems okay, except for when he makes his turn and he starts to go against Olive and say, I'm gonna kill him and and all that kind of stuff. But present day Bart the entire time has been a little unhinged. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that could be a result of, you know, when the series starts, he has kind of had the status quo of Solomon, who was assumedly like uh, a beacon keeper who was placed there through the proper channels, you know, ISA approved, be kind of usurped by Halen. And, you know, we saw the tapes. It was justified, the actions that Halen took. But that would also rock... Bart's world so it kind of makes sense right. that he would still be on his toes if you will 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even in the present yeah. day. So uh, this Bart and Kier interaction, though, where do we place it with regards to those beacon keepers? Because if Kier was yeah. able to go essentially dock himself and not have to interact with a beacon keeper, we have to be between beacon keepers at this point in yes, time, right? Yes, because he says when he's talking to Kier, it's been 10 years, I think, when he's making the beer. He says, sorry, there's no artificial coloring and stuff. I haven't had a beacon keeper in 10 years or so. Maybe it's between Parson Baby Aster and now. If it went Farut and Grisha to Sophia right. to Solomon... I would assume it's somewhere between the transition from Sophie slash Sophia to Solomon. Yes, yes, where yes. I that's what I meant. Yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. I agree. Cool, cool, cool. Fully agree on that. They are intentionally ambiguous, so I think it's yes. up to us to kind of decide, but the clues are there. Yes, yes. And to end Avalon's story, she goes into the light and she disappears. She leaves her ship, her little little ship is gone it just starts floating away and she is missing and obviously when we're getting close looks at this artifact it looks like what the artifact looks like at the end of episode five when they're looking up at it and they're seeing it for the first time so where is this taking us i don't even have a theory to be honest i have a theory about like i have a theory about the artifact kind of that i don't even know if i like it anymore that i talked about in our solo cast in episode five and i could bring that up at the end of the episode but yeah, Avalon disappears, and obviously when we get to the couple with Parsum, Parsum is very much so attracted to this artifact, and we would assume that if she could have got to it, she would have gotten to it and disappeared too. I don't know where it's taking them, and I don't even know if we're going to get where it's taking them. I would hope so, I guess. I don't. I, that's why I don't know what this show's about. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I don't know what this show is about, but it seems to be about alien rocks. At the moment, yeah. we are going into these rocks, so I would hope we get an answer, or at least kind of a a nod in the direction of where these people might be going off to. My only tinfoil hat is that, like, this artifact is quite literally the last remnants of a civilization who has already gone through the steps of human evolution, enhanced to this transcendent AI. Um, And I only got this when you kind of drew, connected the dots between Milan was undetectable from Bart. So, like, maybe that's what it is. All of human evolution yielded this artifact this rock formation structure and we're all just sentient rocks now but in that process <laughs> With New York accents yeah yeah <laughs> we're rocking here <laughs> that's just a dumb rock joke oh my god um, but i mean wouldn't that be something if milan was harping on oh i want everybody to be unified and his goal was achieved we're all just stupid rocks though not able to actually do anything but we are one transcendent unified being well that's and that that goes back to what kier is saying about the purpose of his quote-unquote rebellion or the calm it's saying that Mm. we're nothing if we can't interact with each other and like you said how ironic would it be if the higher evolution that milan is looking for is you know everyone's combined into one whatever that thing is one artifact but you're just all little rocks that are yeah. God knows what the hell that is. So the irony. It's not lost yeah. on us, Jim. Yeah, we got it, dude. We got it. We figured this <laughs> show out. We figured it out. So now we get to 
our first couple beacon keepers and we get some more background information world building here so they started going with couples because the isolation was getting to beacon keepers so they said couples were now allowed as long as they were infertile and they could prove they were infertile and that was isa regulations the couple is farut and grisha and they are the ones that introduce us to bart as his droid drone form and they say it's it can last a lifetime so this bart that we know in present day was he became a, a droid or drone, whatever you want to yeah. say, by the couple. And very, very quickly we find out that this couple, our girl's pregnant. I mean, immediately you meet her and she's sick. She's throwing up and, you know, she's saying, oh, shit. And they thought that they were infertile. So they're going to keep the baby and Bart is against it, but... This is where we get the information that Bart eventually lets it happen because they basically told him to let it happen. But then as the baby's growing, he gets attached. It changes him. It evolves him. And then we get Parson being born basically as a four or five year old because they say they'll be there for five years. Yeah, that's when their assignment ends and they're like, we'll figure it out. We got five years and we essentially flash forward four years and I guess it would be seven months. We're about four months. Yeah, about because they have months till, yeah. Till they're getting so snatched guess- up and they come up with the plan. They're going to leave and just jump ship a couple months before with just a random supply. Uh, some more world building where they're going over potential homes, but you got a thought. I want to hear it. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess if you think about it, we're saying they're there for five years and technically they want to leave it for uh, years and seven months. But really, in present day of the story, it's even less so than that because they're trying to leave before the five year mark. Yeah, true. So this girl, it would take her nine months, obviously, to be born. So she's actually not five and she's not she's kind of like three, almost four. So I guess she's younger than we thought, but still. She seems the actress, older. The actress yeah. is older, I, yeah. which is obvious. They don't have her talk except for the gibberish. So like, right, and saying no, I think I think she says no and things yeah. like that. But otherwise, yeah. So I guess I just I just think it would have made more sense to make it the mom and then have Aster be born later. But hey, I'm not too upset not about this one. I think I think that's yeah. just you, actually. Yeah, it's not a big deal to me. I just think. <laughs> Maybe because I wanted to be right, and I, <laughs> I wanted to guess it right. I was a little pissed hey, well, at myself. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough there. Farouk does say something to the effect of, um, they'll be happy that we have a kid, because, uh, like, population preservation. So, did you hear that line, Trump? Yes. So, mm-hmm. I guess they are already not on the verge of extinction, but, like, the human population is declining. This was crazy to me, because... This episode, we find out that there's no alien life, and I, me and Kyle thought yeah. that there was a line in the early sea or in the early episodes that they said that there was alien life, but maybe not. So the fact that we're talking about a scenario where Halen travels eighty four thousand systems or whatever it is to get to this beacon, mm-hmm. if you're thinking about all of this, these universes and all of the space basically that has to be filled up, and there's no alien life, and it's just humans. I mean, think about it. Take Earth and just spread it with the yeah. human life. All I mean, it just seems like it makes sense that there probably isn't a lot of, you know, you need to you need more human life. Yeah, whatever. But that was <laughs> that was a shock to me. That that was a shock that there's no alien life found so far. Just seems weird, but that kind of is the crux of why everybody's so fascinated about this artifact. I mean, Kier even says 
getting ahead of ourselves. What man, they came across an alien artifact and Grisha's first idea was to just blow it up. Like yep. and that's also why the obsession of Farut is kind of justified. If you like thought there was any chance even hundreds of years in the future when we've actually been able to explore space yeah you'd be pretty obsessed with that oh yeah um speaking of Farut, he is the first one that the artifact presents itself to that's kind of on their first day or thereabouts and then fast forward a bit more and uh parsum is the next one and it's after parsum's exposure that she starts kind of speaking the gibberish is mm-hmm, an alien mm-hmm. language whatever it is drawing kind of the triangles she's just exhibiting some weird behavior this parsum yeah. she's drawing all these crazy things Kicking she's singing mom. songs that are yeah she kicks her mom right in the face, breaks her nose, and then you put a sweet little piece of tape on and it disappears. Love that. Mm-hmm. Love that for them. But yeah, yeah. I was very interested when it started getting into the parts with Parsum slash Aster getting a little weird. And I say this in, in my episode with Kyle, the last one I did with him, and in, and in the solo cast, you don't know what the goal of this artifact is. Are you gonna suck in avalon and she's gonna be like in heaven quote unquote like is it gonna be the best thing ever or is it like you're killing her you don't know what their goal is you don't know what their purpose is i mean we don't know what the purpose of the rocks in episode four bringing aster and halen here it they basically say like the purpose was so that they could become the artifact again but we don't know Mm -hmm. what the purpose of the artifact is we don't know what this thing is it a villain is it a protagonist we have no idea I mean, my guess was that Milan was going to become the main antagonist, but we haven't really heard much from him since his episode. He's so, still around. Oh, he's around. He's definitely going to be a thing. I, and yeah. I, I think he would be a good big bad, but again, two more episodes left. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do here? Is the artifact going to be an evil thing? I, I don't know. In... The episode where Halen was having his dreams, the episode was titled Rocky. I guess it was last episode. Yep, the Rock yep. is like literally talking to him with words. Yeah. Was that supposed to be the words of one of his former like army buddies? Is that I'm, what it was? Gonna... Or are we supposed to take that as the Rock communicating with him literally with words? So Halen's different. As far as we know, because he breathed in the fumes of these rocks and it attached yep. to his brain and he's actually hallucinating. So maybe the hallucination is well, the hallucination is allowing him to understand the rock in the way the rock wants to communicate with them. I don't know. Like for all we know, Parsum speaking with the artifact when she was speaking gibberish, it could have been in, like it could have been understood hmm. back and forth. They could have been talking to each other, saying, "Hey, man, what's good? How you doing? What are you doing out there? Come, come hang out." Like we don't know. We're seeing it from another point of view. Where in Halen's situation, we're seeing it from his point of view. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm, I went ahead and said in episode five, like <laughs> the rock talking didn't do it for me, like at all. Like I didn't know if they were trying to be funny with like the way it was talking to him. I was like, this isn't doing it for me. They it really. Was odd. They reeled me back in like crazy this episode, but episode sure. five, I remember talking to Kyle on the side being like, I don't know what the hell just happened in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was like fine. Like I thought the episode was fine. I just thought it was so weird with the rock stuff. Maybe they did that intentionally because I feel like this episode give us a little bit more of context as to why what happened last episode might have been possible, but 
presenting that first made it just seem so outrageous. So I was right, right there with you. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, the rest of this episode really has to do with the fact that Parsum now is the one deteriorating. Farut is deteriorating in a way where he is becoming obsessed with the relic but he's or the artifact, but he's not as much as Parsum and um, Avalon in the past. Yeah, we don't get Parsum's point of view, but we have to assume that she's probably hallucinating. She's probably doing exactly what Avalon was doing, where she's sleepwalking. She knows where the artifact's going to show up, that kind of stuff, where Farut is just obsessed with the calculations and figuring it out. Obsessed with his work, absolutely. Right, and right. That they could be trying to present that as a red herring, but no, I think those are two distinct and separate obsessions slash acting crazy. Right, right. Uh, so, and it all kind of culminates in this scene in the cupola? Cupola? Yeah, the cupola. Yeah, that's what the I have. Cupola, cupola. yeah. yeah. Um, where... Parsum sneaks out of bed with Grisha and goes up to the cupola. Cupola. Mm-hmm. tight. <laughs> 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 and Farouk follows her up there and really sees her interacting with this thing, kind of like changing her tone, whispering, singing almost. And this thing seems to be like responding to it. You know, Grisha wakes up and... They kind of hash it out where Farouk lays his cards on the table. He's like, no, this could be a breakthrough. We have to study her. She's the key. You know, she's communicating with it. Um, and Grisha's like, nah, you're talking crazy town. This is our daughter. This is our daughter. Yeah. And this is where the artifacts become the relics. Um, yes. And, you know, I'm not sure what the significance is going to wind up being, but it's very cool that right when it gets demolished and artifact becomes relics, that is when Bart, it comes into his perception yes. that these things exist. He's like, okay, I gotcha. Yes, I can now see the rocks. I understand that the rocks exist. Very interesting. So I still think it has to. it's going to have to have something to do with Milan again, with him being some kind of antagonist in the next couple episodes. Yeah, whether they set it up for a season two or not, I have no idea. But um, like I said, it has nothing to do for the most part with the books, I think. And we are going to have Hugh on the the pod at the end of the season to talk Ooh. to him about it. So we'll have a, a cool conversation with him. Maybe we'll get some snippets out of him for season two of Silo, which is interesting, too, because Silo, I don't know if, again, because it's so different. I don't know if relics is a thing in his books, but relic is a part of Silo. It's an important part of Silo. Mm. They call they call things in Silo relics, and I'm pretty sure that translated from the books. I don't know if that's similar with Beacon 23 or not, but relics in both shows, you know, just had to throw that out there. And for our audience, I am a 100% Hugh Howie newbie. This is my first. I haven't even touched Silo. You know, I'm going to have to binge. touch Silo. I'm going to. Well, don't say it like that. But (laughs) I will. I will. Um, Now, I might have to binge that since we'll be talking to Hugh Howie. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You guys guys sing its praises, too. And Apple TV has uh, has been doing some good work. Yeah, Silo really was very, very enjoyable, especially for a show. It's very similar to how you found Shadow and Bone and said, yo, let's try it out. And we yeah. ended up going, oh, cool, this is a, this show's great. It was like that because I just saw the trailer, threw it out there, ended up being very fun. Everybody liked it. And now we're here? 
And now we're here. Now we're covering Beacon 23 specifically for that reason. So Talking um, rocks, baby. Talking blue New York accented rocks. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we're basically at the end of the episode here. We have some more with Kier. We have some more with the reveal, obviously. But basically, Bart sandbags Kier big time, gets him drunk, gives him some beers before he gets busted. I do think it was cool that Bart says, like, hey, man, when you're in jail, when you're in isolation, think about how you're going to change the world. And I feel like he's going to be something. Absolutely. Because Bart, Bart does agree with his thoughts. And there is not the way that he's going about it. Yeah, there is something to be said. Bart could have wasted his time with any old story. He's like, no, 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 Kier, everything I told you was factual. And, you know, these are important details of this grand story revolving around the artifact. So I completely agree. This Kier guy is going to come back. And that almost brings me to, I feel like all of these characters that we said at the beginning were kind of just one episode, one and done's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going back to episode two when kind of the bandits were arriving. Did that kid escape? He did. He did. So I feel like he's going to come back. Milan, we think is going to come back and be an antagonist. Um, and mm-hmm. now we have Kier, who could yeah. very well come back. So I, I would like if that's how they kind of went about it, or maybe I not. agree. I agree. I don't know. Me and Kyle talked about the kid. We don't really know what his purpose would be, but he got away for a reason, I feel like. so Had to. Yeah, and we know that Bart has no problem killing people. So if he thought Kier was somebody that should have been killed, he would have killed him and not called the authorities. So mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting, and I feel like he will come back. Whether they make this some kind of larger multi-season storyline, I again, I have no idea, but... Um, that was definitely interesting. Bart, again, making cognizant, sentient decisions. You know, guy's life's on the line. You're going to go to jail. You could kill him. You can do whatever you want. He makes a decision, decides he likes what this guy's picking up, what this guy's putting down, and he keeps him alive, just brings him to jail because you don't blow up his beacon. Don't blow up his beacon. And then we get to the to the end, the big reveal. So Bart is saying that, you know, after all these years, he doesn't really understand what I miss you or I'll miss you is going to be, but he wants Aster Parsum. He wants Parsum to remember him. He, It's like one of those things where he's like, I get this feeling where I just don't want her to forget me. Yeah. He gives her the necklace. She gets her new identity, and it's Aster. Fade to black. Boom. Should have guessed it, but at the same time, I think that they... They wrote this series in a way where maybe you should have guessed it, but at the same time, I'm you, I'm happy. Like it's a good reveal, I think. I wasn't looking for it, you know. Yeah, I it, agree. Is why I didn't guess it. So well done there. And I mean, that gives our two main characters of Halen and Aster a connection that we did not know at all until now, because they have both been affected by this artifact. Which yes, we don't even know if Aster has any knowledge of her previous tangles with the artifact yeah i I mean the assumption is no she probably has no recollection of it i thought that what they were giving like it looked like a little disc so i thought what bart was doing was giving her like videos of her on the beacon as her memories like video but instead it's just like new identities it was just like an identity card but whatever 
Um, this is something I want to ask you because I would have mm-hmm. gone back and tried to rewatch, but we know that Aster does talk about her mom and her dad at times. She does say the dad leaves, right? Doesn't she say the dad left them? I would have to go back and check the tapes, yeah. but I believe you. I mean, she. I'm pretty sure it was said that the dad leaves and the mom like goes on her own way and she's she basically isolates herself. Um, that would make sense. We did this episode see a definitive ideological split between the two and how they want to approach this family. Yeah, it's, I really wish that I know I could just like have right in front of me all the lines that have to deal with Aster and her mom now that we have met the mom at the time of Aster being a child because you have to assume based on Aster's communications to Harm and Halen that she doesn't have like the best relationship with her mom. Oh no. Like it was so but she she obviously keeps the necklace and she says like it's to, it's to remind me not to become what my mom became. So we don't know, you know, where that disconnect happens because what we see from Aster's mom is a loving mother trying to take care of her daughter. Yeah, I, I, I would like it to all have go all the wrong. Lines. Yeah. yeah, I would like to have the lines just to remember what Aster said specifically. But hey, we're trying to get this pie out ASAP, so we don't we don't rewatch the whole season before we drop the eps. <laughs> if only. Yeah. So that's it. Now I'll give you my quick theory. Throw it at you. It it seems like it's not gonna be that this anymore. But when I watched the last episode, I immediately thought of the magicians. And okay. When I did the solo cast, I basically pitched the magicians because you got to pitch the magicians. And then I uh, said, like, what I'm going to tell you basically isn't really a spoiler, but I can explain this episode of the magicians in a vacuum and you can understand my theory. And where I was going with it was the episode where they have the symbiote, like the symbiotic fungus. Okay. So my thoughts were that the rocks or the blue liquid part of the rocks are like some kind of symbiotic entity. And the reason I got that is because you breathe it in, just like in the Magician's episode, he he breathes it in, it takes over his brain, the hallucinations become a thing. Now, I don't know if that's the best. Now that this episode we're seeing that like Avalon is getting hallucinations and I don't think she got any of the rocks in her brain. So I don't mm-hmm. know. But my thought were that the rocks are sentient, they're, I don't know, extraterrestrial life, just like our boy Farood is assuming. And the rocks were symbiotic in a way where you breathe them in, they take over your brain, and they control you. Now, we're seeing in this episode that they were one entity. They were broken up into pieces. So I, I don't think that is really a good theory anymore. Yeah. I really liked it based on what we saw in episode five on how it took over. Halen, mm-hmm. but I think I'm kind of past that now because they do seem like they're going more like high evolutionary extraterrestrial than just like a symbiotic fungus or something like that. Well, that I, that certainly is a characteristic of whatever these are. They can kind of spore out like a fungus like that. I'm almost right. thinking it's these sentient rocks that are like, oh, damn, we took it too far. And now we're just rocks. Maybe they're like, let's reel it back now that we have kind of this hive mind sporeability, if you will. Maybe we should try and put ourselves back right. into humanity so we have kind of the physical body to back it up. Um, and maybe that is 
exactly what's affecting Halen right now. They just want that to be the state of yeah. a lot more humans. I like it. Could be, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe the the whole point of what they want is to reverse the revolution, <laughs> reverse where they got, you know? Yep. Milan wants to get to where they are, doesn't realize that it's already a thing, and they got there and they don't like it. They want to go back yeah. because they realize they screwed up. You know, that's cool. I like that. So, um, any other theories, anything you want to talk about before we end this episode? I got any idea where the hell the show's going, dude. No, not even a little bit. I was proud of myself for getting the two theories that I did. This show's just so out there. Um, and honestly, now that I yeah. know that it is revolving around this, this mysterious artifact, I'm, I'm way more invested. This is, I want answers if I'm being honest, because yeah. it is it it's a very different concept. You know, I've never seen space rocks that can talk as taking center stage. So I'm in. It's a unique story for sure. Yeah. Definitely interesting that it was an actual, you know, the artifact was some kind of entity and Grisha blew it up. And for however long it's been, they've been in pieces. And their goal was to get back together to become the artifact once again. And somehow they took over Halen to get him to the beacon. Somehow, by destiny or however you want to say it, Aster gets back to the beacon. And we can assume that her childhood connection just grew throughout the years. And eventually when it was time, it lured her back in. She believes it's destiny, and we're finding out that they are connected somehow, and it's by these relics slash artifacts. So we'll get we'll get some answers. Hopefully, we got two episodes left, man. All right, well that's it, guys. We just finished episode six. We have two more episodes left. Brian will be returning for the next episodes. We are having a blast covering it. It's a crazy show, confusing, but this was a strong episode. We can't wait to watch episode seven. We do have screeners, so maybe we have to watch it a little bit quicker than you guys. We'll see. But if you like what you heard, you can catch us at BingetownTV.com. You can find us on any of your favorite podcasts at Bingetown TV. Like I said in the intro, we cover so many different shows. Currently covering so many shows. In the future, we'll be covering a lot more shows in the next couple weeks. So many shows are coming up, a lot of big ones. So if you want to follow us along for the ride, all you have to do is type in Bingetown TV on any of your favorite podcasts and smash that subscribe button. Or bingetowntv.com. It's all there. Follow us on socials. Our Discord is a blast. We love talking to everybody about the different shows. We have a Beacon 23 feed. We have feeds for Murder at the End of the World. Every show we cover, there's a feed. And we have so much fun talking to you all. That link will be in the description. Otherwise, guys, email us. DM us. We love talking to you all. We'll see you next week. We are Benstown TV. And thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.